Welcome to the Modern Woodworkers Association podcast, where our mission is to provide woodworking education for all levels and all types of woodworkers. To find out more about the Modern Woodworkers Association, visit us on the web at modernwoodworkersassociation.com or follow us on Twitter at NWA underscore national. Now to our host, Tom Iovino, Diami Palatki, and yours truly, Chris Adkins. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this, the 75th-ish, well, we've done 75, edition of the Modern Woodworkers Association online discussion about all things woodworking. Today's special guest is fine woodworking grand poobah and overlord editor, Matt Kinney. But before we get to him, let me introduce you to someone very special to me. First, I, well, first of all, I'm going to be, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to introduce myself, which is Tom Iovino of TomsWorkbench.com. I'm Tom, pretty there, special myself. Is there someone else here? But there is. There's this guy named Diami Palaki from Long oh, Island, New York. Yeah, you, well, you are very special. Well, thank you. You're, <laughs> You're special very, to me. Very special, Diami. And, and 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 is the sun shining in, in Long Island right now? It was. Uh, it's, 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 it's nighttime now, Tom. The sun goes down here. Really? Uh, yeah. It was like North of the Arctic Circle compared to where I am. <laughs> but uh, no, it was, it was a nice day. It was a little muggy, but not bad. That, that's good. Did, did, did you see any polar bears today? No. I did not. I, I I'll tell you though, in in my uh, my jaunting to and from Long Island in New York City, I usually don't. Who could have figured that? Believe it or not, the animals we have here are probably very similar to what you have in Florida. No, they're not. No, they're not. Ours are spontaneously combust on when they when they're exposed to sunlight. Can I just interject here for a second about sure, something? Go right ahead. So so you asked Diami if you saw a polar bear today. Well, you know what I saw today, and I'm not kidding at all. A black bear. It was in. A, it was on the property at the Taunton Press today. <laughs> it was no more than five feet from me. You know, there was a glass a do- a window separating yeah. us, but there was a like a one or two year old black bear wandering the property. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the <laughs> Mutual of Omaha Wild Kingdom edition of the Wandered Warriors Association podcast. Matt, was it's that was that the stuff. glass door in the cafeteria? Was he coming after your food? Well, no, this was, uh, we also have some really large windows uh, in office spaces. It's, they're almost like big aquarium windows, and uh, that's where it was in the IT department. <laughs> so it was coming after, after, um, after Ed. Yeah, well, well, Ed doesn't sit there, but he was coming after the IT. Evidently, it was having phone problems. Yeah, it was having some sort of computer issue. It needed IT support. We've also had bobcats on the uh, property. You know, I had a bobcat on my property, and the funny thing was, you know, somebody was trying to explain to me um, what they said was, you know, how you can tell it's a bobcat because when it when it when it howls, it's it sounds like a screaming woman. And I said, well, that was must have been me when I saw the bobcat running <laughs> down between my neighbor's yards toward me. I was screaming like a, you know, with a really high pitched, oh my god, let me in the house kind of it kind of screamed around it. So maybe it wasn't the bobcat, maybe it was me. Right, it could have been. Have you been I'm, up in uh, up in Connecticut? So. What's that? Diami, we were all trying to talk over each other. Diami, what did you ask? I asked if you were up in Connecticut screaming like a um, like a bobcat. <laughs> Hello. The mind boggles at the possibilities. <laughs> oh, okay. One one more uh, one more one non woodworking related uh, comment here, real quick. Are you wait? Are you just doing this because Ed doesn't let you do it on your podcast? No, no. 
This is related, though. My favorite story as a kid, my dad would read it to us growing up in Florida, was a book called Wahoo Bobcat. About a bobcat, oh, bobcat. <laughs> growing up in sort of Ocala. It was living in the, around the Ocala area. Anyway. For, those you, for those of you who don't understand Florida geography, Ocala is, Ocala is not near the water. No, it's not. No, it doesn't have a beachfront. So there's the area that's inland, which isn't all House of the Mouse. There's actually a very forested area inside of the state, Ocala being one of those areas. So yeah. it makes sense that you'd have a bobcat there. Yes. Yeah. All right. Sorry. And with that, Marlon Perkins, are we okay to go ahead? Yes, we are. Yeah. Thank you, Marlon Perkins. <laughs> so while we, I would, I would love to be able to talk, you know, zoo, zoo, uh, zoological issues for the rest of the for the rest of the podcast. We have a show to get on about woodworking for our woodworkers. Yeah. So, I apologize. Tiami, tell me, tell me, Diami. Yes. Diami, um, what is in your shop? Um, at present, I'm back to the trophy build. Yes, you are. I, uh, I got the sander cart up to its level of functional complete, which is basically where I tend to leave projects. And, uh, I've got a bunch of open things and I've had some new commissions come in and I, I need to get stuff moving to the shop. So I've returned to the trophy, uh, which I thought I was almost done with. I literally thought all I had to do was apply finish and glue it together and be done. And... Uh, the friend of mine who I'm making it for asked me to elevate the base so that oh, they would oh, have a big – well, apparently the plan is that they're going to add a name to the trophy each year, uh, the, similar to – The Stanley Cup. Exactly. Um, yeah, so you know the, the wooden components of this trophy were only about a four-quarter thick, and then there were – there's gold-painted beer bottles that form the, the pillars. So there was nowhere really to affix a whole bunch of little labels. So I've built the – and the trophy's are triangle-shaped. So I built this triangle-shaped base. It's almost like a pedestal. Um, and the base is three pieces of walnut. I don't even know how tall it is. It's probably about five or six inches. I basically just took a piece of walnut I had, cut it in thirds, and mitered the ends and, and glued it up as a triangle. Um, so I've got that sitting on the bench now. And I don't know if it's necessary, and I don't know if it's actually adding anything or not, but since the inside of this triangle is never going to be seen, um, and I was lazy with the with the joinery. There's no real joinery in this. I figured that it's not going to get any real abuse. It's just going to sit there under a trophy. Uh, that's all I'm expecting it to do. So I used, uh, I used PVA glue in the joints, and it's basically I cut an angle on one edge and glued that to the face, to the inside face of the next piece, if that makes sense. So with yes. these three corners, instead of, instead of mitering them both, there's only an angle cut on one of them because I'm ultimately going to round over the edge. So the seam is not going to be in the middle. It's going to be the side. I didn't care. Um, so that's just a, essentially a butt joint, and it's at a slight angle. It's almost like a 45 to a to side grain. Um, so what I'm doing inside is I'm taking a two-part epoxy and just putting a nice heavy bead of it on the inside of that joint and kind of buttering it up onto the sides. And as it gets thicker, adding a bit more to it and, and building it up. So there's a big lap of a, almost like putting a, a tube. Yeah. The big fillet yeah. of, of two part epoxy on the inside of the three miters, figuring that'll just add a little bit of strength to it. And I was not really caring at this point. Emotionally, I've left this project. So I could, I, you know what? Yeah. Yeah, I could tell <laughs> the, uh, 
when I when I when I round over the corners, it would not surprise me if I found that my joinery is not as tight as it could be. So <laughs> if Deami, I Tammy, Tammy, yeah. let let's 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 just let's just go back and revisit what this is going to be. It's going to be a stand that's holding three gold painted beer bottles. Actually, it'll be six. Six gold plated gold painted beer bottles and a beer mug at the top yeah. for the fantasy football league championship. I think it's fine. I, I'm thinking it will be too. But if I do find any any voids in the in the in the joints, I've resolved that I'm just going to parge them with black tinted epoxy. And why not at on. this point? Yeah, hey, you know, uh, be that way. Speaking of football and trophies and pedestals for trophies, I know the guy that made the stand that the Heisman Trophy sits on during the presentation. Really? Yep. Yep. He's written for the magazine. Get out! No, not at all. I'm dead serious. He lives in uh, he lives in Connecticut. Actually. Man, man, you are so full of surprises these days. <laughs> <laughs> Is yeah. this how you got your gig with fine woodworking? <laughs> just have surprises. Yeah, just to, like randomly pull out surprises. Like, yeah, you, did you know? Were you aware? Were you aware that I knew the? Pro- okay, you got the job. Well, you, you so want to know what I I learned today at work that was a surprise that, that a black bear showed up. No, pump. You know what? You know that you know pumpernickel bread. Uh huh. You know what pumpernickel means in German? It gives the devil gas. Yes, it means Thank devil you. spark. Yes, devil yes, <laughs> yes. So, uh, so now we're in the trivia section of today's show. Right. All right. So, Tom, what's going on in your shop? Oh my goodness, I can't tap pumpernickel bread or gold plated beer bottles. Um, I, I, I. I am at a good place now. Um, basically, I'm waiting now for my niece because her sister is going to be coming to the University of Tampa. Basically, I've got my niece's hope chest done, and I'm just waiting for her to come down with her sister to drop off at school so she can pick us up and it can go back north with her. So, yay me. <laughs> That's a good thing. Um, the uh, I built a, a and I'm I'm pretty sure I mentioned this before when I went to my uh, nephew's house for his first communion. Um, I built a small wooden cross for his first communion, and I got the greatest little you know second grader you know handwritten uh, thank you card from him. It was it was great. It was one of those heartwarming things. Dear Uncle Tom, thank you so much. The the wooden cross was awesome. Like yeah, okay. So now I'm trying. I'm. I'm. I, and I was. I was mentioning this to you, Diami, before the show. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of at a loss. No, because we, we decided you're making a chair. Well, hold on, hold on. I'm getting there. There were there were a few things. There were a few things I was looking to do, and you know, and I, I had to get done this year. So I, you know, I finished the bed, which was a big deal, and and you know, and, and the hope chest, which was a big deal, and you know, the cross, which is a big deal. Now it's like I kind of have some time, and I haven't really built something for my enjoyment in a while, you know, something where it's like, I want to build it because I want to build it. So like you had mentioned, yeah, I mean, you, you let the cat completely out of the bag. Oh, I didn't know it was a secret. Okay. I'm sorry. The, cat, the bobcat is out of the bag. I'm going to scream like a lady. Um, I decided I'm going to, uh, well, one thing I do want to do is I do want to build a ceremonial urn for an indigent veteran. Um, there is that program that the woodworkers guild out here does. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I built one already, and it was nice. But I want to build another one because I think that's just a, a, a perfect tribute to or to the to the men and women who, who've served our country. So I've got some really nice wood here that I want to I want to build a, I want to build one of those. Which again, for Memorial Day coming up, 
I think it's you know, appropriate that you guys take a look at that kind of a kind of a program because just to remember that indigent veterans, um, while the VA will will cremate them, they will return the cremains to the family in a cardboard box, um, which is a little beneath the dignity that these people deserve. Um, if they if they're not of the financial means to afford a, an urn. So what the St. Pete Woodcrafters Guild is doing is we're actually building uh, urns for indigent veterans. And, you know, we're getting wood donated from everybody, okay. which is great because it's like, OK, look, I've got wood and people are donating money and we're going to buy more wood. Um, so so basically there are people who you know retired who could build like five or six of these every every month and they just turn them over to the V.A., um, so I really want to build another one. I, I think the time has come. That's one calling. But as another thing you said is, you know, last year I said I wanted to build maybe something like a Nakashima conoid uh, chair. And I think the time has come for me to actually get over my chair phobia. Hmm. The first one's the hardest. The first one's hard. After that, I'll be I'll, I'll build my I'll build my entire dining room. But 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 I'm thinking like a Nakashima you know inspired conoid chair. And I'm thinking I can do it. I mean, I, again, I like the way it looks. It's a really interesting design. It's very linear, um, not a lot of curves to it, but it, but it's got a really nice look to it. Um, so, you know, definitely something else to, to be thinking about. So as I plan ahead what I'm going to be doing, um, that's where I'm going to be. So a lot of practical projects have happened, come and gone, but now some ones that are going to be a little near and dearer to my heart. Well, excellent. Excellent. And now, Matt, I've I've heard some rumors about what's going on in your shop. But what did you tell us? Well, uh, something that I'm making actually, it's not technically in my shop, but uh, with Mike Pekovich, uh, our art director, uh, we're making a new workbench for the shop at Fine Woodworking, mm-hmm. and uh, that's going to be in the magazine later this year. And there's going to be a video workshop, but I don't think that's what you're asking about, is it? It wasn't, but I, I would love to, to pick pick your brain for as much about the bench as I can. Have you guys? Uh, are you willing to discuss anything about its its you know the general design of the bench, or is it going to be a surprise to us? Uh, I think actually Ed Pernick's already put some photos of it on Twitter, uh, perhaps or Facebook. Um, but it's it's inspired by uh, a bench at Hancock Shaker Village in Massachusetts. No, oh, like oh, a shaker shaker look. It does have a shaker look, absolutely. Um, and uh, so part of the video workshop will be us going to Hancock Shaker Village, and then the rest of it will be us making it. And uh, we've got it pretty much done, and it's actually really beautiful. It's uh, got cherry and milk paint uh, for the base and then hard maple for the top. Um, and uh, I'm excited because it's it's an awesome bench. Nice. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, I only now, wish to get into my shop. Now, now Matt, is it, is it going to have uh, storage underneath? Like, I, I know there there's some there are two camps. People who say no storage at all underneath the bench; it should just be for working. And some build entire suites of cabinets and drawers and everything. What is it going to be? Which camp is it going to fall in? There's definitely storage uh, built into the base. Yeah, it's not a slide-in box uh, per se, but uh, it's a it's sort of. It's almost it's kind of built like almost as if it were a uh, piece of furniture. Okay. Yeah, almost. And, and and I know that it's a very a very typical shaker uh, look to workbenches. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, the almost. I mean, I think every shaker bench I've seen has cabinetry built into it. Yeah. Um, when we were at Hancock, uh, we were able to really 
look closely at the benches they had there. They have two, uh, and it's interesting to see how they're built because uh, uh, they are definitely built like cabinetry, built like furniture. But there's almost a, on one of them. There's almost sort of a slapdash, just get it done feel to the base. Okay. And then the other, the other one has a leg vice and a tail vice on the same end of the bench, which Ooh. is crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't normally see that. No, you don't. Yeah, you absolutely don't. It's, it, it was weird. Uh, it's it's bizarre. But um, uh, but yeah, that's something I've been working on, and that that's uh that was fun to build. It was fun to build something with Mike. Uh, where we, you know, we were splitting the tasks up and doing work together at the same time. Uh, so that, that was a lot of fun actually. Um, but in, in my shop at home, uh, tonight, for example, I was, I was downstairs and I was, uh, sharpening, uh, some, uh, I was sharpening my Japanese, uh, paring chisel and then my little, uh, apron plane for use on, a new jig that I made for, uh, for miters. And, uh, the reason I made it was because I've been cranking out boxes left and right recently. Uh, yeah, has it that there's a plan to this. Yes. We have some sort of like greater purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you're not, you mean, I thought not a plan for the mitering jig. I made. no, 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 but, but like a plan for like what you hope to accomplish yeah. by building these boxes. Uh, well, yeah, so what I'm, yeah, what I'm, I I don't know why I decided to do this, but I decided to, well, I don't know where the idea came from, I guess, but, uh, I decided to try to build 52 boxes in 52 weeks. In other words, you're a glutton for punishment. I guess so, you know, but I, (laughs) (laughs) uh, I like making, yeah, could I make the, the, uh, the suggestion that by de- defining the next 52 weeks or you know a defined 52 weeks as 52 boxes it ensures that for at least a year all you'll build is baby furniture yes that's true no <laughs> actually no because uh uh in the next few weeks uh for the magazine uh i have to make a uh shaker cupboard um i made the prototype or i made the first one last year and then mm-hmm. uh, in a couple of weeks, we're going to do the photography for the actual magazine article. So uh, I'll be building a full-size piece of furniture, at least one this year. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I actually have another piece planned um, as well, a sort of a sideboard, which I'll uh, – actually, I'm going to uh, uh, build uh, with hand tools. Um, okay. But, uh, but yeah, I'm going to build a lot of small little baby furniture this year, I guess. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but there was a, I guess there was a, uh, there was an idea behind it was, um, to try, you know, to force myself to design on a regular basis, mm-hmm. uh, to try to improve my own design vocabulary or my, my own design language. Uh, and you know, the, the best way to, to improve at something is to do it over and over and over again. Absolutely. Yes. You know, repetition, <coughs> excuse me, repetition. So 50, you know, there's, here's a chance for 52 reps at designing something. Uh, and boxes are something that you can, uh, you know, you have a shot at designing and making one a week as opposed to, you know, a full size piece of furniture, which would be, it'd be hard to even make 12 
pieces of full size furniture in a year. Yeah, just remember, just remember something, Matt. You know, the movie The Shining. Yeah. Really, you know, you know, all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. I mean, you, know, you want to make sure you keep your, you know, you want to make sure you stay focused on this stuff, right? Well, crazy. Yes, I will be a focus, but that's the thing about boxes. I mean, uh, there's some like uh, some of the boxes I've made already. Uh, I can make in a few hours. Um, uh, so it's not eating up all of my time. And, uh, and, you know, I still do things like take my son fishing, um, and, uh, work around the house, uh, and, uh, do things like that, you know, to play with you know, do stuff with my daughter and my wife. Um, so I don't, you know, but I, you know, I'm already sort of at least three quarters of the road down Jack Nicholson's territory. Yeah. Just, just remember when you start seeing the word yeah. red rum painted on the walls, it, it's time right. to seek some professional help. Yeah, well, it's, it's you know, winter's finally over in Connecticut, so I can go outside, you know, so there's a little less danger. But yeah, yeah, seriously, the danger level it goes from level red to like level orange, and I think you're probably in the yellow right now, aren't you? Yes, yeah, I'm glad. But when when winter rolls back around and I'm still trying to make a box a week, we might be in trouble. Yeah, red man, red man. <laughs> well, um, I'm looking at the boxes you've got so far on what is the new website, right? M.E.K. Woodworks is a fairly new site. Yeah, I, I started making it, working on it this year, earlier, you know, the beginning of the year, but I finally put it up when I started this box, uh, box project. And I think okay. there's, what, four boxes up there right now? Yeah, you've got four boxes. And I'll have photos of box four in the show notes. But um, just box four is gorgeous. Uh, oh, thank you. Yeah, I, I love the, the low horizontal profile and the two drawers it just works very nice and apparently they fit very well too, but, um, <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> the piston fit yeah. right? going, so, that's, that's ridiculous. It's, you know, you can't leave it like that. What, what, what do you do to relieve that? You just have to plane them down a little bit more. Oh. So you'll actually introduce a slop is the wrong word, but you'll, you'll reduce the size of the drawer rather than simply add a hole somewhere to let air through. I think so. Um, I mean, I could drill a little hole or put some slots in the drawer in the back of the box. Oh, uh, uh, but I'm not sure if I, you know, I haven't glued the back in on that one yet yeah. because I'm still debating exactly what to do to alleviate that problem. What I, I the photos are all show the front, um, yeah. and you've got it's a very low, narrow box, or I guess it's wide but it's low, um, and the drawers one. The drawer on the left is roughly twice the width, or one and a half times the width of the drawer on the right, something like that. Yeah, the box the the box itself, not counting the stand, so the box is about two inches tall. Oh, okay, it's that small. Yeah, and it's uh, I believe it's six to six and a half inches deep. Really, and it's twelve inches long. Okay, yeah, it's, hard, it's hard to gauge. You know, I mean, obviously you can get the proportions, but it's hard to gauge the actual size from looking at the illustration. But, so that yeah. puts it into perspective how how small the the, the the diminutive proportions. Yeah, and at least in the photos, the drawer face seems to be inset ever so slightly from the face. That's right. It's about so, a sixteenth of an inch. Okay, so now on the back that you don't have pictures of, will the back be inset also? Will it be flush? What what's the detailing on the back? Whether so, it has slots or not. Yeah. So the back is actually uh, started out as a piece of plywood. Which I veneered and shop sawn veneer, white, white, you know, quarter sawn white oak. Okay, which is what the carcass is made out of. Correct. Yeah, 
And so the back sits in a rabbit that is about a sixteenth of an inch deeper than the thickness of the back. So it's also inset slightly. Okay. Yeah. I think that's a that's a nice detail. Yeah, it's I mean, a beautiful the, box. Oh, thank you. I, I really uh, I really like that one a lot. Uh, I like the uh, the green milk paint for the drawer fronts, mm-hmm. and especially uh, it, you can sort of see it if you uh, click the pictures to make them larger. Uh, that I used white oak as the drawer front, and the, the way milk paint is and sanding it to smooth it after painting it, you get a little bit of the grain of the white oak coming back through. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you can clearly see that. Yeah, so that's it's a really I, 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 nice. The milk paint is just some really crazy stuff, but boy, does it look good when it's done right. Boy, does it ever look good. Yeah, I I love milk paint. Uh, it's um, I've always liked to have a, a sort of a splash of color in my in the stuff that I've made, and I used to do that with by choosing the you know woods that popped against the uh, you know the other woods in the piece. But um, I started using milk paint when I started making these little round boxes that were inspired by the round barn at Hancock Shaker Village, and I was painting either the lid or the body with milk paint and Mm -hmm. uh since i started doing that you know i I use it quite a bit whether you know on some some of the i'm actually i've posted four boxes but i've made eight um and on some some of the next boxes to come i've painted the the inside of the bottom so when you open the box you get this nice uh you know uh uh, pop of color, but but Matt, um, if you paint the inside, why bother painting it? You're just going to cover it with flocking. Yeah, right. Yes, <laughs> I think I'll probably never live down my uh, my <laughs> my feelings about flocking, will I? I don't necessarily disagree with you. So <laughs> yeah, you know, actually, I don't feel bad about it. Someone has to take a stand. There, there we go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you put any? F- I'm I'm intrigued by the milk paint. Uh, for many reasons, but one of which is I have the I've never done it before, but I have some milk paint somewhere in UPS's hands right now on its way to me right now. I'm going to try it out on an upcoming project. What's your process for it? Do you put a finish over it? I've heard many people put you'd have to put a clear coat over the paint. Actually, you, you don't, I don't think you need to put a clear coat over it. Uh, the they call it milk paint because the binding agent in it is milk casein. Mm-hmm. And actually, when it dries, it becomes an extremely hard and durable paint. Um, so I don't think you have to – you don't need to put a, a, a top coat over it. What I, what I actually uh, put over it is just wax. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, the other thing you can put over it, which is uh, popular, is uh, like a, like an oil. Like yeah, boiled linseed oil. Boiled linseed oil yeah. or a Danish oil. You could go with something like Watka, uh, Watco or Waterlocks as well. Um, but I just go wax. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because it is a, it's a very hard, durable finish It's in, in and of itself. Yeah, Matt, I, I, built, I built a toolbox and I covered it in a sea green kind of uh, uh, milk paint. And I just waxed over it. And it, I mean, it's, it's out here in the shop getting, I've dragged it places and dinged it up and it still looks good. I mean, it's a really durable finish. It hasn't worn off. It hasn't, doesn't wear off in your hands or anything like that. It just it dries really tight to the wood. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's it's a uh, and it looks great too. You know, it has it has character because of the variation and sort of depth and texture of the of the color. And right. the funny thing is, is you know, you you can actually 
decide how much character you want in it by putting on, say, two or three different codes. You can make it very character-driven by just using one code, or you can actually balance that out by putting more codes on later after it dries. So it, you can make it a lot more opaque. And that's, I mean, that's, it's a really versatile finish. Yeah, you can uh, vary the opaqueness of it by uh, adding more water and making it more like a stain. Mm-hmm. Or adding, uh, you don't want if you go with too little water, it becomes more like a paste, and it's impossible. Yeah, no, you don't want to do that. Yeah. Uh, I normally uh, put on a coat, sand it, put on a second coat, sand it, put on a third coat, sand it, and then steel wool it to burnish it. Okay. And, and then wax it. Yep. And normally, what you end up getting is uh, you, you can sort of see. Maybe if your paintbrush left some strokes or in, in the previous layers, those start to show through, and that's sort of what gives it the character, the, the, the yeah. variation in color. I'm assuming you're going with a finer and finer grit with each sanding. What are you sanding it to? Well, in between, after the first and second coat, I'm sanding with uh, 320 grit. Okay. And actually, after the, th- the third coat, you could do 320 again, or you could maybe go 400. Okay. Uh, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't use a wet dry sandpaper there. I would use like a like the three M serrated four hundred grit, uh, which doesn't need to be lubricated with water or mineral spirits, um, and then uh, just wax after that. You know. Okay. Yeah, and actually, uh, uh, in the article on the uh, shaker cupboard, we're gonna do something about milk paint uh, because uh, I've added two drawers to the interior of it, and those are milk. Those have a milk paint on the front of the drawers. Okay. So yeah. It's kind of like this uh, this box that we're looking at that has just the dr- painted drawer faces and the rest is natural wood. Correct. Yeah, it's going to be yeah, the same idea there. Yeah. Nice. That, that real I mean again, that really looks sharp. Now now Matt, you you've really got a challenge here. I mean, you know, you're talking 52 boxes, 52 weeks. Obviously, you're not going to be making just plain old, you know, like okay, this is four sides and a lid. I mean, you've got challenges to make them look slightly different or significantly different as much as you can. I mean, where, where, do you, where are you going to draw a lot of you? You mentioned already the round barn at the Shaker Hancock, uh, Hancock Shaker Village, but where, where, where are you going to draw some more information, uh, inspiration from? Well, I mean, that's a good question. Uh, I mean, part of what I'm doing is trying to develop my, you know, what I've already got going on as a, my, as a style or a design. Uh, but, um, I mean, I can tell you, so one of the things that I'll do is uh, I might come across a particular design that I like. And actually, the first two boxes I made were essentially the same box, but they were made from different woods, and I painted the lids different colors. Okay. And so part of what I'm doing is exploring maybe just a particular design to find what you know how it works in different woods, etc. Mm-hmm. So that will uh, that's one thing, but. I'm also looking at uh, different. You know, I, I see a lot of furniture in my in my day to day job, so uh, I'll be drawing inspiration from there. So uh, I know I have a box coming up where I drew inspiration from a technique uh, that a guy named um, uh, Tim. Uh, oh gosh, I can't believe I can't remember his name. Tim Coleman in Massachusetts. He's written for the magazine quite a bit and he's a phenomenal designer. And he has this technique where he'll say like a, on a table apron, 
the uh, there'll be an outside layer that he does with piercings, and beneath okay. and beneath that will be a a, a veneer or a different wood mm-hmm. that's a different color. So you you can see through in a sense the piercing reveals the underlying uh, color or substrate or whatever it is. And so you know I, I took that idea and I have a box uh, in the in the works that will make use of that idea of where you have this outer layer that's pierced in some way to reveal an underlying uh, wood or colored substrate. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if you know Kyle Toth. Um, he does a lot of, I don't even know if he has a proper website. He does a lot of stuff on online and a lot of social sharing. Mm-hmm. And he has a table he calls the leopard table. And I'm sure it's, you know, the same technique that you're describing. He, I don't know what the underlying wood is. It's something like, it's a mahogany looking like like wood, but it might not be mahogany. Um, mm-hmm. And he overlays it with a veneer of uh, either ebony or something that's stained to look like ebony and then routes he uses a little handheld router um, and routes all these little things through it, and it looks like leopard spots. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it I think it takes him hundreds of hours to do the table because the entire, not the top, but the the stretchers and the um, the legs and all the other component all the components below the top all have this on them. Um, it's an it's an yeah. it's an impressive looking piece. So it's a that'd be a really interesting style to do. Yeah, I think I've seen that table. In fact, I. I, I have this vague sense that it was in the magazine at some point, like uh, in the reader's gallery or something. But I, I, I think I've seen it. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a, that's a great, I mean, that's an interesting technique. Cause I remember one time I did a metal holder, uh, a friend of mine, his daughter swims and instead of getting trophies, the kids get medals. So, uh, so he wanted her name on this and rather than carve it or do something like that, what I did was I, I laid out some cherry, some, some eighth inch cherry and then ratted out her name. And mm-hmm. he became a swimmer, and then mounted that to the maple base. So yeah. a really nice, you know, three dimensional effect. It was the the contrasting woods. It was it was really nice. Yeah. So I mean that 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 does sound really nice. And so the idea for because a box is small, uh, you don't need all you need is one idea, and you can develop that idea, you know, and and, and sort of see it through to the end, and develop a really nice design a really nice box. Uh, but it doesn't have to be a huge idea. It can just be something small. Um, so, but that idea, uh, and then sort of bouncing, uh, talking about it with Mike Pekovich at work, led to a really cool <laughs> design, which I'm excited to make. Um, uh, and that'll probably be in a few more weeks for me because I'm going to test mm-hmm. out a few theories before I get to that first. So you're actually taking the time to test some stuff out? The boxes themselves are not the test? Or it, it varies from idea to idea. Some ideas you you try one on a box itself, and others you're well. Well, actually, to test out some of the theories, I'll be making other boxes. Okay. So you know, like uh, I'm gonna the, the box I'm gonna be working on this week, or I'm working on this week, uh, will have some piercings on it uh, in a way. Um, so I'm I'm sort of testing out the 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 technical side of doing that in a solid piece of wood first before I actually sit down to make this a box, which actually has a fair amount of piercing on it. Um, and will be a little, you know, it'll be more complicated to make because of the nature of the design. I'm going to try it out in a much simpler way first. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. And that's part of what I'm doing too, is just, uh, 
I never wanted to set out to make 52 unique boxes that were completely different from one another because I couldn't do that uh, just because it's one person making them. So, of course, it's going to be – I have a coherent uh, and uh, unified sense of design. Right. So if you look at them all, you should be able to say, oh, yeah, those were all made by the same guy. <laughs> but um, Some hack up in Connecticut made those boxes. Yeah, some chumps. <laughs> uh, <coughs> so I always knew all along that I'd be making boxes that were obviously related to one another and that I would experiment with uh, a, a technique here, maybe change it there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and actually the, the box that we were, were speaking about earlier, the box number four, really grew out of the third box that I made. Uh, which I which I made and I wasn't very happy with and when, and as I thought about what I would do to change it, I came up with the fourth box. Well, now I'm looking at the third box now, and I'll have to throw a photo of that on the show notes too. That is a dovetailed, um, I want to call it a carcass, but it's the bottom sides and the top, and the drawer fits between them and slides out both ends. Is that the way that works? Yeah. So the uh, yeah. So it's Douglas fir and it's sort of like a square tube, mm-hmm. uh, and the drawer has two faces, one at either end of the tube, and you can push it out from either way. Okay. Um, that that idea really came about because I I just wanted to I wanted to have a drawer that didn't have a pull on it, and I was thinking, well, how do you open up a drawer without a pull? And it'd be like, well, if you could push it from the backside, right? Yeah. You know. Um, so that led to to the idea of having a drawer that opened up at both ends, and I've and I've seen that before on a lot of dining tables. We'll have a long drawer that runs the length of the table, and you can open it up from either end. I have the worst designed dining table ever. Uh, my wife picked it out at J.C. Penney, mm-hmm. and the legs and the shelf beneath the legs block your feet when you try to sit down. It is the, I can't believe some commercial factory made this thing because they never considered that people would sit at it. Regardless, yeah. it has one of these drawers in it that it actually goes from side to side, but it's one common drawer in the middle, and it pushes through to both directions. Yeah, yeah. Here's a little bit of trivia for you, Tom. Uh, the first and only pair of parachute pants I ever owned were from J.C. Penney. Give it out. <laughs> Stop. Camera time. Uh, that's one more pair than I've owned. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, growing up in the 70s and 80s. Uh, I, admit, I admit, listening to you talk, it sounds like we may be of the same vintage, just so you know. So, yeah, I had a pair as well. Thank yeah. you so much. Um, Matt, you know, speaking about also in the 70s and 80s, you know, you're, you're, you're with Fine Woodworking Magazine, and, and Fine Woodworking is the first on the block, first yep. woodworking magazine on the block. What Talk to me a little bit about, you know, how you came to be over there and what it means as a woodworker. Well, uh, I've been at the magazine for just over seven years now. And uh, before I came to the magazine, I was a, a philosophy professor, you know, a, a college professor. And uh, I kind of wanted to get out of that because it was hard to find a permanent position rather than sure. a year position. Um and I'd been making furniture seriously for about, you know, two, well, well for longer, you know, for several years, but I really had been doing it uh, hardcore for about two years, two and a half years. And uh, 
you know, I just said, you know, if I'm going to do something, I want to try to do something in woodworking. And so I started looking uh, for jobs at woodworking magazines. And uh, Fine Woodworking had an opening. And it actually took me about a month to apply because, uh, one, I didn't have a resume. Uh, (laughs) That'll slow you down. Yeah. You know, all I had was, you know, in the academic world, they call them uh, CVs. Yeah, curricula vitae. Right. And so I had that, but, you know, you can't turn that in for a job, a real job. Uh, so it took me about a month to do that. And then one day I was just like, you know, the worst they can do is just ignore my application. Um, but then, uh, Asa, my old boss, uh, he's still at the magazine, but he's not the editor anymore. He called me one day and was like, Hey, we want to interview you for the job. Uh, can you, can we fly you up to Connecticut? And I was like, sure, why not? And, uh, so I guess I interviewed pretty well because they offered me the job. Get and- out. Yeah, they did. It's surprising, right? <laughs> <laughs> so we moved from South Carolina to Connecticut. And uh, like I said, I've been here for a little over seven years. And, uh, you know, for me to work to, uh, to work there, uh, it's huge. I, it's, it's really a significant thing to me. Uh, you know, before I came to the magazine, I subscribed to Fine Woodworking. And uh, it's not the only magazine I read. But, uh, I mean, if I'm being honest, even at that time, I recognized that it was the magazine that had the information that I wanted uh, because it, uh, it, it had it, – it was where I wanted to be as a woodworker, you know. It, uh, the, the stuff that they, they put in the magazine was attractive to me. It was challenging to me. And so I was like, well, that's – this is where I would like to end up as a woodworker, uh, good enough to be in fine woodworking. Um, and so it was a big deal then. And, but since I've been at the magazine, I think it's, it's come to mean more to me that I work there. Uh, because now I meet a lot of people who read the magazine and they tell me what it means to them and, or that they've been reading it since first, the first issue or that everything they know they've learned from the magazine Okay. And so now I I appreciate even more what the magazine means to its readers mm-hmm. and also its place in history, uh, its place in the industry. Um, and uh, it, but it's also a big resp- you know I take that as I as a huge responsibility to always put out the best content that I can for the magazine, uh, whether I'm writing it or more often, helping someone else write an article, uh, which is what I do most of the time. Uh, or if it's, I'm taking pictures for articles that's, you know, I'm always striving to produce the best information and content that I can. Uh, and it really is, uh, a fantastic job. And I, I, I could never work at another woodworking magazine. It's, you know, it spoiled me to work there, uh, because, <laughs> Everything they do, you know, Taunton, the one thing Taunton, they never, uh, they will never fail to give us, you know, what, do whatever it takes to put out the best magazines they can. They do. They, there's a whole, uh, a whole ethos to the entire Taunton family, I think, uh, family of publications. And, uh, they, they put out a nice magazine. Yeah. I mean, it's, and all the magazines are sort of run the same way, basically, you find people who are passionate about the craft and who also uh, 
can edit and then you can teach them photography. And uh, it's, you know, it's hard to find people like that in woodworking or home building or what have you. <clears throat> but when you find those people, they love the, they love the craft. And so they're just naturally geared towards uh, really, you know, uh, working extremely hard to, to make something that, you know, they're proud of, that the press can be proud of, and that uh, the readers uh, appreciate and save. You know, people save our magazines for, for 30, 40 years in some cases. You know, so, you know, all of that is, uh, is why it's so meaningful to work at the magazine. Mm. Now, we really brought you on to talk about, about the Box Project and your own stuff, but since we're on the topic of the magazine, uh, is there anything exciting or new coming up in the magazine? Oh boy. Um, hmm. Let me think about that for a let minute. Me, let me rephrase that. What's it really like to work with Ed? What's it really like to work with Ed? Oh, jeez. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is another one of your man crushes. <laughs> you know, Ed is actually really fantastic. And, you know, uh, I know that you guys don't listen to the podcast, but. Um, the way that we are on our podcast is We don't exactly- listen to our podcast. What are you talking about? <laughs> it's exactly the way we are in the office. Um, so Ed is, you know, he's kind of like a brother to me uh, in a way, the way that we treat, you know, we act around each other and treat each other. Uh, I have a lot of respect for him, but I also love to tease him. Um, and actually, I, 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 we've never made this public before. And uh, and since I'm on this podcast, I'm not too worried about doing that now. <laughs> Boom! All right, sorry. Uh, here, come, here come all the confessions. Just everybody get ready, mark the tape, go. Ed has a nickname around the office, uh, which I got. I coined for him. We call him Peppermint Pernick, so, <laughs> because uh, Peppermint to me is like the name that a 1930s newspaper man would have. Okay. And, and that's, so, I can see that as Ed. Yeah, so now Ed walks around the office talking like this. He says, now see here, boys, we got to get out there and we got to take these pictures. We're going to get the story, you see here? So he talks like that all the time now. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, in working with, like, you know, Mike Pekovich, it's amazing because uh, the guy's such a fantastic furniture maker and his sense of design is impeccable. And it's not, and it's not just his own personal design. But if you bring something to him, you know he's very good at helping you develop it in your own voice uh, into something that's better. Um, so, uh, you know, it's the people that work at the magazine are fantastic. Nice peppermint pernick. I love it. Yeah, they'll probably kill me. Oh, you're you're in, you're Matt. You're in trouble tomorrow. Just whenever we post this, you're just 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 own up to the fact that you're 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 going to be teased mercilessly. Yeah, end up with a nickname that you're not going to enjoy. But just remember, we did it to you. Yes. Uh, On a non five questions related yes. uh, question. Yep. It's a super planer. What is the big Hitachi device at the back of your shop called? The super surfacer. Super surfacer. That's it. Yeah. Do you yeah. have a blade for it yet? Well, yeah, I've got a blade for it. Well, do you have a sharp functioning blade for it? Let me rephrase that. Oh well, that's a, that's a much different question now, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Uh, no, I do not. I do not have a, a sharpened blade for it. <laughs> for uh, for Tom and other people out there, could you explain what the super surfacer is? 
Yeah, Super Surfacer is like a cross between a a planer and a and a hand plane. Get out. Uh, no, I'm not getting out. It's get out. I'm, I'm just, just get out. This is impossible. So there is a uh, the way it works is that there is a single blade that does not rotate, and that's on top of the wood. And beneath the wood is a like a conveyor belt, and that does move. And so you put the piece of wood on that belt, and it forces it into the housing. And the blade takes a very thin shaving off the top of the of the piece of wood. Does, does that make sense? I get it. You follow it, Tom? It's, it's as clear as a shovel full of mud. <laughs> well, so it's like a hand. It's like a powered hand plane, sort of. And it's uh, they're very uh, popular in Japan, where I believe that what they're used for is they're used on job sites. Where they're making, uh, you know, temples and so forth, and this is how they surface the wood before they, uh, I guess, they cut the joinery and and yeah, but, but so are, so are vending machines that, so, that that serve hot French fries in Japan. They're popular there too. I mean, <laughs> no, Matt, they're not using it like I'm staring at my plano right now, and I use it to dimension the wood. You know, I want to take some some thickness out of it. I'm going to use it to not only make the two surfaces parallel, but to make it thinner. They're yeah. not making wood thinner with this. They're just, they're using it instead of, you know, hand planes or sandpaper to actually prep a surface. Is that right? I, I believe that that's correct, but I can't say for absolute certainty. Cause you know, my understanding of the machine, we, you know, this machine was actually reviewed. This actual, this particular machine was reviewed by fine woodworking back in the eighties. And then one of the editors bought it. And then he gave it to a guy from Fine Home Building who gave it to me when he moved to California. <laughs> um, and no one's ever used it, right? No, actually, the the guy from Home Building, he used it to make uh, like uh, stuff. He would weave with the with the uh, with the shavings that came out of it. He would make thicker shavings, and then he would use them to weave. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. Um, but I believe you're correct, Diami, that it's really a surfacer or okay. a surface prepper, and it's not a dimensioning machine. It's not a milling machine. Okay. Yeah, I believe that that's correct. Um, all right. Well, on, so on other – So you're telling me this device actually like just puts a finished surface on this? Yeah. If you go to YouTube and just type in super surfacer, there's a couple of videos on there of these things that work, and it will blow your mind. Yeah, but there's a lot of strange stuff on YouTube. I'm not going to type in strange words like super surfacer. You never know what you're going to run into. I, I promise you don't have to sign into YouTube to see this video. You okay. could also check out the shop tour I did of Matt's shop and see a non-working super surfacer sitting at the end of his shop. That has right. no plate. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be the uh, that'll be my my project for fifty two weeks next year. Yeah. <laughs> It'll try take you fifty two weeks to get it up and running. Try to sharpen the blade and get it running. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, How's one your... day I'm going to get it running just to stick it to Mike because <laughs> he gives me grief about it all the time. How's your jointer working? Oh, fantastically. Yeah, yeah, it works great. I love it. I, I, I'm so happy I bought that, even though I, all I ever do is make baby furniture. <laughs> baby furniture, I love it. 
<laughs> yeah, it's it's the it's a case of having just an absolute uh, going overboard on a machine, uh, but I'm so happy with it. It's a I guess I should say it's a it's a it's an Oliver 166 12 inch joiner, mm-hmm. and uh, it's about eight feet long and probably sixteen or seventeen hundred pounds. That's that's industrial size. Yes, absolutely. It's it's about a hundred years old too. That's got straight oh. knives on it. It does have straight knives. I looked at getting a uh, segmented cutter head for it, but the cutter head actually costs more than I paid for the joiner. So I, I've got, well, I like my joiner. I've got an eight-inch Powermatic, but it's nothing compared to your beast. Uh, but even on mine, I bought mine off Craigslist, and I would have paid more for the segmented cutter head. The segmented cutter heads are outrageously expensive. Yeah, yeah, and when you start to get into machines where they're having to, you know, sure people have Oliver one sixty sixes, but not like the number of people who have eight inch grizzlies, right? And uh, so the cutter heads start to get really a- astronomical. I think it was like sixteen hundred dollars. I oh. think you probably should have bought a nineteen fifties era Delta. Oh, you mean like Ed bought? I heard he got a great deal on a wonderful planer. Yeah, from a really nice guy in Long Island. Yeah, and they yeah, had tacos. He's... So. <laughs> yeah, I haven't so seen he that. Only drove to the church on Sundays. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a garage shop. Yeah, I haven't seen that joiner in person yet. But when he showed me the photo of it, I was like, "You got to buy it. It's it. That's a good joiner. You should check it out. It's it. It was a nice machine for the couple months I had it. Um, yeah. But anyway, uh, well, uh, enough about about shop talk. Well, Matt. Before, yes. Before we leave, is there any other animal trivia you want to share with us? Oh boy, animal trivia! You know, I don't think so. I, I, You've used everything, all your materials so far. Well, uh, no, I'm sure I still have more animal trivia, but uh, he's got I, his own podcast. He needs to save a little bit of the trivia for for Shop Talk Live. I will tell you that one story uh, real quick about my son when he was okay, in. This is going to be good. When he was in first grade, uh, he used to get these yogurts, like these. Uh, I think they're called Gogurts. Yep. Oh, in a tube. Yeah. Well. And they would have trivia on them. Get out. And one of the trivia, they asked uh, which one of these things is a bird. And they had these crazy words on there. But one of the words was motmot. And and it turns out that there's a type of bird called a motmot. And so one day in school, his teacher, I can't remember if she was asking for words that rhymed with something or for words that started with M. And so my son raises his hand and says, Mot Mot. And the teacher's like, Elijah, you got to stop making stuff up. And, uh, and he's like, no, I'm not. And so she busted out the dictionary and, you know, it's in the dictionary. Yeah. So he, the Mot Mot is an actual type of bird. Nice. Did, did, did he get an apology? Uh, absolutely. She loved it after that. She told us that story and she was so proud of him. <laughs> I, yes. Somehow I feel... Like he's just a chip off the old block. That's what they tell me at work when I tell them stories about <laughs> Elijah. Say, yeah. they say that nut didn't fall far from the tree. Something tells me, yeah, yeah, the, yeah definitely, you know, takes takes off to the old man. So, Matt, it has been a, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, thanks for having me on again, guys. Oh, I really oh no problem. Before before we uh, completely let you go, where can people find out about you online? Well, uh, the first and easiest place is at finewoodworking.com. 
you know, I write blogs and articles for the magazine, so I'm all over the website. I do video work. Uh, and then there's also my personal website, which is mekwoodworks.com. And, you know, I there's a portfolio of my work up there, but also uh, a blog where so far I've only talked about making boxes, uh, which is my, you know, something I love to do. Um, but I I've tried you. Yeah, I know. Uh, well, for, well, for only for the next 48 more weeks. Yeah, well, I've made eight. So how many is oh, that? So for only yeah, for, the, for the next 40, 42 more weeks. Yeah, 44 more weeks. Yeah, uh, you're set then. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'll talk about other stuff on there, too. All right. Well, I'm, well, I'm glad to see we know where to find you with the mock knock bird. Yes. And I'm also on Twitter, right? You are on Twitter. You're at uh, M. K A T F W W. Yes. M cat fine woodworking. I'm assuming yeah. that means it's M K. Oh, at fine woodworking. Okay. Yeah. The at sign. But it's, uh, it's a T. Oh, it is. Yeah. It's M K A T F W W. Yeah. It means M K from I, whenever I go online, I, I can't hide who I am. Cause if people were to find out, you know, that would be embarrassing, but there'd, uh, be, there'd be pitchforks and torches and it would just be bad. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I always just cop to that's who I am. So in my Twitter handle, I just put I'm MK at Fine Woodworking. There you go. I'm so glad to hear that. Yes. <laughs> nobody wants to drag you off in cuffs. Right. Yeah. Yeah, how was that? Uh, you got off on that streaking um... charge? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, after that, that podcast, some someone I, – I saw someone in person, I think it was, and they said, hey uh, – Sorry to hear about you getting arrested. I was like, what? <laughs> and uh, I had no idea what they were talking about. And then I then I was like, Ed, what what did you say about me on the podcast? And he he resent me the link about the guy. The guy who actually was in Tampa, wasn't he? That that was on some drug called Waka Waka or something or Flocka Flocka. And uh, got arrested. Streaking. I wouldn't put it past anybody here in the Tampa Bay area. Yes, yeah, it was definitely someone in Florida, which was the Waka joke. Waka, yeah, yeah, because I'm from Florida, so that's the joke. Nice. Yeah, <laughs> nice. So, yeah, I avoided prosecution. Excellent. I'm glad to have you back. You're so proud. Yes, you. yes, we are. You get like five or six strikes in the state. It's great. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, Matt, thank you very much for being on, no and problem. hopefully, I'm glad to hear you beat the streaking charge. Yes, thank you. I never thought I would ever have to say on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) And with that, that just about wraps it up for the show. If you're missing us and and the discussion about people getting off from streaking charges already, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes. Just search for the Modern Woodworkers Association. And once you're subscribed, you'll be sure to never miss another exciting and informative and trivia-laden episode. And while you're at iTunes, please leave us a five-star rating. It helps our rank so others can more easily find us. And if you want to find out more about the Modern Woodworkers Association, be sure to visit modernwoodworkersassociation.com, follow the MWA on Twitter, at MWA underscore national, like the MWA on Facebook, or circle Modern Woodworkers Association on Google+. While you're there, you can join the MWA Google Plus community for project sharing, discussion, and loads of woodworking banter. Nice. Now, Diami, where can they find you? I can be found at penultimatewoodshop.com, and I'm on the Twitters at Diami Plotke. 
And I'm your resident shop monkey, Tom Iovino of Tom'sWorkbench.com. And you can find me at Tom's Workbench on Twitter. Until we see you again and bore you senselessly with animal trivia, we wish you all happy sawdust. Thank you very much for listening.